All right, here we go. We're back. Michael Schultz. Another week. Another yeah, podcast. I've been doing power squats with my penis since your last since I listened to your last broadcast. Ooh. Oh, you listened to the vagina. vagina weightlifting? Yes. So I've been doing power squats with my penis. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, having done it, I wouldn't either. <laughs> We're going to some stupid conversations. I do. I'm just glad she goes along with me sometimes. That was interesting. I mean, in a, I, in I a was, weird type of way. I was walking my dog listening to that. Yeah. And the visuals were off the charts. Well, Google it. I, I never did Google it, but I was visualizing it off the chart. And it's one of those things. It's like when you read a really good book and you don't want to watch the movie. Because you're it's afraid true. the visualization right. in the movie You'll might let down what you already had in your mind from reading the book. My visualization from that conversation you had about the vaginal weightlifting mm-hmm. and the tightening is so good. I don't want to sully it with actual yeah. footage of what it actually is. I wouldn't mess it up because the footage isn't that impressive. Right, and the whole idea that you squat and you can't see anything other than like the string hanging and weight being lifted, you can't see anything else. You really well, can. Where's yeah. the fun in that? But I think you probably could on the one, when I Googled it, when I hit Google, and I Googled, I can't remember the phrase I put in there, but it was vagina weightlifting probably. The first link that came up was a Pornhub vagina olympics i didn't click it because we were on the podcast and i didn't want to get into that so have you heard what's happening with pornhub they're like they cleaning they're out cleaning their content. It, aren't they like taking down like 60 percent of their freaking videos because they're, they're not verified right they're taking out all unverified videos and they're adding a section like on sexual literacy or sex education, if you will. What? Yeah, that's going to be like a category that you can go into porn. Very responsible. It's very responsible, very progressive. Well, the, the thing is, and that's when they when I saw that article, I think somebody made a joke about it and sent it to me, some meme or something. I thought, you know what, though, from what they said in one of the articles I read, is it is a little scary because. They allow people like you and me to upload their, what is it, uh, it's not professional, so it'd be just amateur, amateur porn from the household, right? So I've heard that's a category. It is a category. It's a really good one. I've only heard, I've heard that heard. it's a category. It's, it's really good. I've been told. But you know, you can't, you don't know really, is that, is she, is she 19 or is she 16? Or is he, you know what I mean? Is he being forced to do this? Or is she being forced? It's very responsible of this this porn hub you speak of. Is she a granny? It's new to me. Is she a granny? Is she not a granny? <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to that episode? It would, be, it would be irresponsible if she's not a granny and she's in the granny category. That's a category, too. That'd be, wouldn't that make you upset, though, if you're like... If you're a granny, if you're not a granny, but you get put in the granny category somehow. Yeah, what would be more upsetting? I'm in the granny category or my video is up there without my permission? Oh, they Which is more upsetting? Your video being up there with uh, no permission, I think, would be pretty upsetting. That's what I saw a post the other day. I told Ange about it. And it was was a guy, he, he was... It, it had the text on the screen, and he panned to his girlfriend, and he said, my girlfriend makes $8,000 a month on OnlyFans. And then he panned back to himself, and, the, and then the words came up, she's going to be really pissed when she finds out. <laughs> so he's created an OnlyFans, posting her content that he gets her to send to him. Okay. What's more upsetting? Which I think he said he paid off the mortgage. What's more upsetting... That she doesn't know, or that he's making ninety six thousand dollars a year. That's good math, quick. Well, what's more upsetting? It's pretty upsetting. I mean, these these ladies are making tons of money. Some. Well, some, right? I'm assuming. I would say so. I don't know how it works. I don't know if they ding you, like if you subscribe for ten dollars a month. 
and then they ding you for extra stuff. I love it when you feign ignorance. <laughs> I don't know. When you pretend you don't know how I am something sex-related works, porn-related works. I'm interested in all things what's, sexual. What's this OnlyFans thing of which I hear you speak? Well, I, that's what I said about Pornhub. OnlyFans is really popular. I hear about it. And I don't like it because it should be, shouldn't it be fans only? Is it grammatically correct? I haven't thought that deeply about it. Hmm. I don't know, but I'm just glad there's people out there who make ends meet. So, on a related note, slightly different rabbit hole, and I don't know how this happened. As most things happen on Twitter, I don't know how it happens. <clears throat> but I, I think I may have liked... You know how you get something in your Twitter feed, an image or a video clip yes. that is liked by somebody that you follow? Yes. Yeah. So I think I saw a picture of somebody that I follow liked, and it was of a woman mm -hmm. and it w in lingerie. And I thought, wow, she's just not the most beautiful woman in the world, but clearly, like, okay, there was something striking about her. So I liked it. Well, algorithm time. Oh my God! Did the algorithm, yeah, kick in, and so suddenly I am being inundated with images of professional escorts from Canada. From can they're probably really they're nice. They're all can Canadian, and they're probably honest because Canadians are really good people, right? It's, it's the most bizarre thing. None of them are in the United States, but this one is. As I later turn, I'm like, okay, I've got to follow this thread back through the algorithm to see right, what happened here. Right. And the one that I liked is actually from, I think, Quebec. And so the algorithm kicks in and like all of these, prof they're professional escorts. I guess that's okay. Like right. high class. Like, right. okay, you can have, you know, dinner for $2,000. You can have four hours for $3,000. You wow. can take You can take me on a trip, uh, a long weekend for $10,000. A week is $15,000. So what's that say, though? I mean, there's high people, class. There's people high that class. do that. Yes, some of them are mothers. Some are some have oh. other jobs. It's but they're all Canadian. It was the most bizarre thing. You know, it's all funny. Canadian. We watched this a little bit of this show on Showtime called Gigolos for a few minutes. You know what that is? Have you heard of Gigolos? I haven't heard the show, but I know what a gigolo is. It's a show about Ever since male American prostitute, came out. Male, male prostitutes in Las Vegas. It's legal. But then they... So this is where I go, who would ever get a paid three grand for a prostitute for a weekend or ten grand for a weekend? Well, these guys, like one of them had this woman who was a high level. She was either a COO, CEO of a major company in L.A., and she didn't have time for any relationship. She was single, and she said... When I want to be romanced, and I want to be done right, and I want to have fun, and I do my thing, I fly to Vegas, and I hire this guy multiple times a year. He shows me a great time. I get a great dinner. We laugh. We have a good time. We do whatever. And then I go home, and I don't have to think about anything. I'm done. I pay the money. I get what I want. And I, I'm like, wow, I'm someone who's really, you know, what do you call it um my brain today it's not working real well i don't know what's wrong it doesn't always work well but today it's like i'm dragging i've been really busy i was gonna say i love how you say oh it's not working today. usually i fire pretty well but not to be able to remember words i'm i don't know if that's a bad thing so compartmentalize i learned to what, compartmentalize i learned what american gigolo was i mean uh, gigolo was from american gigolo which is a 1980 movie with Lauren Hutton and Richard Gere. Yes. And it's, you know, it's kind of like Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Right. Where you watch the movie and it's like, I could do that. I mean, if I'm Richard Gere. I'm, I don't remember the movie. Up, it's, an, it's an old, old movie. But, but I do remember you know, Pretty Woman. I don't remember. That that does that looks kind of glamorous. I could do that, but in real life, dude, I'm telling you, gigolos though, these guys. 
I'm telling you, some of the women that they showed up at their house, I was like, how is he going to do it? How is he going to do it? Because they're just not attractive? No. There's one lady, this guy, and he said, you take it out, you clear your mind, it's an art, you got to give them everything right. they're paying for. That's why I'm like, yeah, are... but what about your dong? How does that thing work? How do you explain it to your penis that we've got to show up for this game, bro? I'd actually like to see that conversation. Come on, man. Don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it. It's going to be really... Don't, it's not going to be long. Think of, it's not as bad as you think. Ignore that... Would you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even see anyway. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, you don't have any eyeballs. Let's get in there and do the job. So, there was, there was a film, and I'm blanking on the name of the guy, but there was a film written by... Or produced by a guy that was a response to Pretty Woman. And Pretty Woman, I think, was the 80s. Maybe early 90s. It has to be like late 80s, right? 89? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then... If I'm right on that, I'm going to feel pretty bad about it. In the movie, I believe, it's called Angel Blue. And it was written in response to... I remember reading an interview. This guy said... Pretty Woman is false. I mean, it depicts this, like, glamorous and fun, and in actuality, prostitutes lead an incredibly... 1990, sorry. 1990. But real prostitutes lead really dangerous, terrible, turbulent lives. And so he made this movie that was supposed to be realistic. Ooh. And realistic from his viewpoint. Realistic, but you know, you can go on and read stories and books enough about written memoirs, if you will, from from prostitutes. prostitutes. Not the high level Canadian prostitutes that right, those, are on my those, Twitter page yeah. now. But Good like those you, who Twitter. are really you know, on the streets. Yeah, but that you know why calls. I would say one of the reasons is that it's a rough business is because it's illegal. How come we can but pay even, for a back rub, but the government tells you you can't pay for... It, it could be regulated. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm morally I completely agree with it. But as an American, in other countries it's fine, right? And people earn a living. It's a transactional business. And there's precautions in place for people to be tested regularly. So we're going to talk about, is this the rabbit hole we're now going down? Whether or not prostitution should be legalized? Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to understand. Look, I don't understand why it's not legal. Why you, if, if a chick gives you, if you meet a random chick at a club and you guys hook up in the bathroom, right? You've never talked to her before. You've never seen her. You hook up in the bathroom. It's fine. But if you give her money and then you hook up in the bathroom, she could go to jail. Or you could go to jail. Or you both could. I don't know what. Or you get fined. I don't know. Depends probably where you live. Your jurisdiction. But, see what I did there? Diction. It's your jurisdiction. That'd be the name of the club where people secretly run a prostitution rink. Jurisdiction. So, what's the difference then between meeting a woman in the club, hitting it off, having sex, and before you leave, you drop a hundred dollars, or you hook meeting yeah, a woman in the club? Yeah, you pay for drinks all night. You go and you have sex, and the next morning you have $100 worth of roses delivered to her doorstep. What's the difference? That's, that's, would that be... Or is that your point? No, that's not my point. My point is straight up, she's, you go to hook up, you're all worked up, and she says you got to pay to play, right? And you go, how much? And she goes, $300, and you go, all right. What's the difference in that? I know the difference is it's a transaction, but what if you're two consenting adults, 
she's 27, you're 29, or vice versa, and you agree to pay her for this service? Well, the fact of the matter is... Is it because there's no taxes paid on it? That's why they need to legalize it, so they can make some money. The fact of the matter is, it's the world's oldest profession. That's right. what they call it. Right. Because it's, an, it's something that everybody needs. But it's, I think it's pretty uniquely American to proselytize against it. I mean, I think that comes in part from our puritanical, and that's the whole American attitude towards sex, which drives me it's horrible. straight up crazy, stupid nuts. Um, how uptight and uptight and ignorant and uptight Americans are. But the idea of prostitution goes against like the puritanical Christian fabric of our society, going all the way back to the Puritans. Um, you often hear about the Puritan work ethic in America. Right. I mean, we, we do identify all the way back to the Puritans in that sense. But also, I think it's a, I won't say uniquely American, but I think Americans are more uptight about prostitution than in other areas where it is not as, it's just not as condemned and, and it's not illegal. You go to the red light district in, in the Netherlands. Right. Yeah, that's my point. Amsterdam. And, you know, it's, it's, in my mind, it's the same as pot because pot's horrible. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And finally now in the last 15 years, it's like, well, it's, maybe it's not that bad. And, hey, we can regulate it. We can regulate and it. And we can tax it. So instead of that $50 blowjob in the car on the corner... By that is illegal. And there's a pimp that's going to take that money and probably smack her because Bingo. she didn't get more. Let's bring it above board. Let's sh- shed a light on it. Test them. Test them. You know, Regularly. you got to have you got to have papers to show that you undergo regular medical examinations and testing. And you know what? We're not going to make it illegal, so you can have your money above board. Of course, there's going to be some that's not. But well, that's like some strippers, that's above right? Board. I mean, you that's, can, that's like you can tax it. Right, right. It's it's like any other. It's like waiting tables, or it's not. But you know what I mean from a from a payment standpoint. Of course, you they may pay the establishment five hundred dollars for the night, but they also might stick two hundred in your pocket right. or your thong, it, it, whatever. Which is fine, whatever. It's on her to report it so or I think, him. I think we agree on that. I think so. I think it. I think it would. I think it would probably help. A lot of people take care of some needs that would keep them from going crazy so or look, doing something stupid. Because I'm telling you, it's it's seriously, you're about to make do something stupid. I forget the comic that said it. It's like, dude, just beat off and then think about it. Like, because once you release, <laughs> it comes back. Like your reason comes back. You start to really think through things once you get that out of your system, which is true. And what you said about the Puritans, I grew up in a very religious environment, and I often call it religious abuse. And I don't mean my parents were abusive. It was just the environment I grew up in. But sex was drinking, sex, bad, right? You didn't do it. You didn't talk about it. Not necessarily from my parents. We really didn't have these conversations, but from the church that I went to. It was always, and now I look back and I'm like, you're going to, that's terrible that every time I jerked off, out of no, there's no way to get around it when you're 13, 14, 15, 40. There's no way to get around it. (laughs) You have got to do it. But to feel as bad as I felt, did you have that growing up at all? Or you're just like, all right, cool, I took care of it. I don't want my son to feel bad for taking care of business. Oh, no. I Unless it's like to something horribly demented. I didn't grow up in the same kind of religious household you did, but I grew up with a single mother who I would not call progressive. There we go. Okay. And Catholic. So, oh, Catholic. As I... As yeah. I mostly joke 
but not completely joke. I grew up a repressed Catholic. Okay. And it, it took into my adulthood. Uh, and that process, and it was a process, it wasn't overnight, but that process, believe it or not, started in, in college. Now here's a way back. This is ages ago. Notre me. Dame. There was, a, there was an artist who I loved called Patrick Nagel. And My wife's gynecologist's last name is Nagel. And it, he was an artist, and one of the things that he, he was known for was drawing women on cars. Like on the hoods of cars nice. and posing with cars. Yeah. Very pastel colors, very vibrant. And in fact, if you go to the cars, I believe it's Candio, the album Candio, the original artwork for Candio is a Patrick Nagel. Oh, okay. And I don't know what Candio is, but I'm gonna agree. It's with in you. the it's the cars, the group, the cars. Oh, the cars. The yes. cars. Yes. They're sucking out. I got you now. I'm with you. Yeah. Um. But. Patrick Nagel actually was commissioned by Playboy for like some columns and some regular articles. They would have little pictures. I still have these, believe it or not. Really? Where I got Playboy and I would cut out the Patrick Nagels and I would post them all over my room because I loved the art. Right. But you threw the Playboys away because you But were I read good them. Man. I read them. You read the Playboys? I, of course I looked at the pictures, but I also read them. And that was the kind of the beginning of the transformation for me, bringing sex out of the, out of the dark corners, right? And out of the shh, we never talk about it. And it's missionary position only, and it's just procreation. And it, for God's sake, don't enjoy it. Reading, reading Playboy, started that whole. Your progressive that's not right. right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until, you know, even after college that I finally feel like I can very honestly call myself not repressed at all today. And haven't been for quite some time. Right. I get it. But it's a process. It's a process for me into my 30s, probably. And that's why now I look at Americans' attitude and I'm like, God, it's repressive. God, it's, it's very terrible. repressive. And it's I often say I feel like I'm a, I have a continental European approach to sex and sexuality. Right. And I'll go back to say, because as you're talking, I'm agreeing with what you're saying, but I want to say, when I say that about my childhood, I don't mean in any way that it was abusive or a bad childhood. Actually, I would do it all over again. My childhood was fabulous, but it was repressive when it comes to sexuality. Sexual, Very sex and much so. Right. And it was just Including the way, mas- masturbating. Anything. You had to hide that shit. It, Oh, you had to hide it, and you... But the thing is, is I think, I'd never know, because I never talked to them about it, but I think my parents, you get that vibe, they're freaks. You know what I mean? Like, they were really sexual people. But I mean, they God had four sake, kids. Don't, don't ask them. Never ask, but I mean... But then I go to a Nazarene college, where you can't be in the same dorms with girls, or apartments with girls, and... Me and Ange had to park off campus to get it, you know, to, to, to do anything physically. Like, we couldn't, there's nowhere on campus, so we'd have parking spots all over town, right? And we'd park, and cop would come and say, hey, you guys got to go. So you'd go to park spot two every night. And, uh... Jeffus interrupt us. But which I loved that I would go back to that school. Like, I met with a, one of my guys that was in my wedding. He was coming through town. I haven't seen him in years. And he said, I want to have lunch. We had lunch at that Yen's. I've never eaten there in South Charleston. I don't know if you've eaten there at the Yen's. Oh, I love sandwich. the Yen's, yeah. God, it's good. It is good. It's a really, really, really good sandwich. Good. And he said, I just researched best. And the right across best. the street. Yeah. He said, I researched best, rest, or best, best sandwich shops in West Virginia, and that was one of them. The only one in Charleston off the list. So he said, let's meet there. And it was just took me back to that pure, like... I don't know. It was weird. It was when I was like kind of, I was a religion minor. I was with all these guys. We're inappropriate, but we weren't this inappropriate. When none of us drank and there was so much love. So there's so much of that life I loved. You know what I mean? There was so much love between us. Like him, just the interaction between me and him when we met. I don't have that as much now with anybody, but it was always like hugs. I love you. You don't say that to dudes every time you see them. But it's some of those guys from college. And no, it's not a gay thing. It's a truly, like, genuine thing that doesn't go away. And that was 1994 to 98. 
Yeah, I'm, and it never goes away with these guys. I have that with my two best friends from college. I may it's not see them for years. Yeah. And the one from Alabama who started dating his wife when we were still in college. I thought you were going to say cousin. You said Alabama. No, no. So. He's from Alabama, and he met his wife when he was in college, and I was often the third date. And he was, he cracked me up, man. He was in the Army ROTC. And he got three and a half years of college paid for by the R- Army ROTC. But he, had a, he was a wrestler in high school. Mm-hmm. And he had an elbow injury and calcium deposit. So that by his second s- semester, senior year, he could not do a regulation push-up. As a result, he got bounced from the Army. After three and a half semesters of having getting paid by the army, I'm like, you had the perfect scam. He's like, hey, they, they drum me out. So he got it paid for. He got for three and a half years. His parents had to pay and one then he semester didn't have to stay in the army because he couldn't do a freaking regulation push-up. Those were your government dollars at work. Anyway, you would not think. You'd look at him, wrestler, and he was a shorter guy, but I mean, he would always hug me. Love you, Michael. Love yeah. you. It's, it's, and I'm yeah. like, I love you too, Tim, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. I didn't mean to take it off the hookers and no sex stuff. It just took me down that road of reminiscing. No, I, I know exactly how to get back there. Oh, yeah. You can get back there. I'm I sure, know. I pretty can quickly. get back there quickly because my girlfriend, when I was actually late in my high school career, was a girl named Sine. C N E with an ampersand over the or with a emphasis wow, over the E. She sounds really crazy. Like really, really could educate you on some things. She's who I lost it to, my virginity to. So I bought her an original Patrick Nagel, which back then cost me like maybe two hundred dollars. It was worth it. And then we broke up after a year and she the next guy she started dating, she ended up marrying, and they're still married. No right. way. They played football for the University of Wisconsin. Wow. What the hell? I can't compete with that. But anyway. Sure you can. We stayed I in mean, touch sporadically over the years. And like 10 years later, that Patrick Nagel came up. I'm like, do you still have that? She goes, I kind of feel bad about that. I'm thinking she trashed it, she burned it, whatnot. Right. She yeah. broke up with me, you know. how. Yeah. And I'm like, why? She goes... Do you know what that's worth now? Because Patrick Nagel had a heart attack and died. It's always good for your career. And I'm like, no, why? And she goes, it's worth like $7,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> I loved you back in the day, Snake. But that wasn't worth $7,000, man. No, no. Yeah. Did she have it? She still had it. I'm like, it's yours. I gave it to you. I lost my virginity to you. You taught me so many things. You earned it. Yeah, I sell that. You thing. earned it when it was two hundred dollars. I'm not sure seven thousand, but I gave it to you. Well, two hundred then was worth a lot back in what? 55, I'm not talking about 60? like 1880s. Yeah, or the f- <laughs> screw you, man. <laughs> Stop drinking my bourbon. I'm kidding. Look, this is good. So bourbon. yeah, uh, we both had to overcome. And now I listen to, I mean, I'm, I'm big into sex education. I'm big into openly talking about it. I'm big, in, big into voicing expectations, wants, needs, desires, and going from there. It's critical, communication. Oh, my God, yes. It's everything. That's what we talk about a lot. We did a, one of those relationship podcasts last night. Let me tell you something. From your podcast to the... Five other podcasts I listen to about sex and relationships and marriage and every single one is unanimous in what the number one thing is. Communication. Communication. And there are variants of that, like, you know, communication and even on difficult things, on difficult subjects and try to do it in a safe, secure way. And even if, you know, there are ways to fight, there are ways to communicate when you fight. The, but the thing like, is, you do you do got to understand, and that's what we talked about is is because there's a proper way to fight, right? There's a there there are safe ways and lines you don't cross when you have a passionate relationship. Sometimes with someone, 
it's really tempting to cross those lines when you're in a heated moment. So it's nice to recognize that. I think it's very important to recognize that, look, there's going to be lines crossed verbally. And that's something that could cause you a lot of problems. But it's going to happen if you're in a relationship. So, I mean, yeah, we can talk all day about communicating the right way. But that only sets us up to communicate the wrong way when we're really pissed or really upset. You know what I mean? I agree with you mostly, but it's like any other skill, skill set. Communication, nobody is born a great communicator. Nobody reaches their first serious relationship a great communicator. Nobody enters a marriage, I don't think, you know, a well-oiled communicating machine. So you, but you have to practice it. Right. We talked so about that the, last night. It's like I was terrible when I was younger. 20s and 30s. But even now, terrible. even now. And I'm not great now. Hopefully, when you and Ange disagree, at least most of the time, you can use, you can fight fair. And you can sure. use sure. Yeah. communication techniques and skills that won't escalate. And you know the whole, I feel... Instead of you, you, you. Yeah, that's not. I good. feel. Yeah. I think. I. 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 So as to not point the finger at who you're fighting with. And that's right. a, that's a technique. That's a skill. And that the more you use it, and the more you realize you're using it, the more likely it is you're going to use that technique when you're in a really bad one. It is. I agree. Because I'm always fearful, and actually. It's not fearful. It was based on experience. That if you put that aside and you have a really humdinger of a fight. Which you do. And you do. Yeah. I think this is what you're talking about. It is. I'm talking about the humdingers. The a couple times a year. The problem maybe. is when those humdingers <clears throat> leave scars. That's the that's what I'm saying, yeah. Because then with like a hardened scar, man, what do you do about it? Resentment. Yeah, and even talking through it, there's still... Have you really eradicated the entire scar? That's, that's the problem with those humdinger fights. Where you, you basically say the... Screw the fight fair rules. Right. I'm, I'm out the I'm, window. I'm going to hit so below I'm the gonna belt. I'm going to be as selfish as I possibly can. Selfish, hit below the belt. I'm going to go exactly to that weak spot in your... Armor oh, God, that so, I know yeah. hurts the most, and you know I know it, and you know I'm going to it, and I don't care because all I'm trying to do is hurt you. Right. Those types of fights. Which usually, that's a usually, is it not usually a distraction from what's really going on? When you go to hurt somebody bad, it's usually oh my God, yes. a distraction from what's really going on. It's a defense mechanism. To, 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 which always ends up being worse. It always ends up putting you in a worse situation than you were in the first place. Oh, absolutely. But it's a defense mechanism, especially when you drink too much bourbon, and it goes there, and you got to wake up the next day and go, ugh. It just... Fighting. So... As we are wont to do. That leads to another rabbit hole. Have you ever woken up woken up the next morning vaguely remembered you had sex with somebody but didn't remember what she looked like? No. I can answer you. No, I can no. answer that safely. No. I've woke up the next morning thinking... Have you had regrets? Did we have sex with this? I'm dead serious. Like, did we wait? And then I got to think through the night. And but I for you, that's just Tuesday. That's just Tuesday. It's that's just, just a Tuesday. It's just that too many beverages and things happen. It's when you when you're watching Monday Night Football, and, and you're just it keep, goes late, and and something happens, and then you wake up and you go, "Was that last?" Night? And Ange leaves you a note: "Wake me when you're done." <laughs> and you read that the wrong way. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> but I don't wake you. I just... <laughs> so I'm going to tell... 
funny story. I've never been in that position. Thank goodness. What, that you've woke up and been like, did either, I have sex Either with did I have sex or who did I have sex with? I've never, thankfully, been in that position. But I remember being on a trip. This is a college trip. We were in Jamaica. Montego Bay, Jamaica. A Jamaica man. And actually it was one of my roommates, my non-Alabama roommate. And he, he hooked up with this girl and he, we, oh my goodness, were we hammered on Jamaican rum. Hmm. And the next morning we're like by the pool at this resort having breakfast. And me and the two other guys who were, on the, who were in our rooms, there were four of us in the room, we were talking about the, the girl and I kept saying, man, she had wide load on her back. Did you not remember that? I mean, she was like a big old <laughs> truck going down the road that says wide load that has the vehicle before and after with the exit. And he's like, no, 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 no. She was gorgeous. No, no. She was great. She was, uh, Alcohol is amazing. And all of a sudden, this this girl walked by and, said, and just kind of reached out, touched him on the shoulder. Hi, Alex. Oh. And walked... And Alex just snapped his head, put his head down, almost touched the food on his plate, and said, no. And we're like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) He would not believe us. He's like, no, she was gorgeous. She was gorgeous. She was. You had enough alcohol in you. Oh, my goodness. Of course she was gorgeous. Beauty's only a light switch away. Oh, no. I can't. I can't. No. I'm no. kidding. It's just oh, a funny saying. It's, no, it's not true. Yeah, so, you know, sex is like what? What's the best simile of sex? Simo- Did you say simile? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Sex is like blank. Oh, okay. That's easier for a dumb guy like me. Sex is like blank. Sex like is like nothing blank. else. There's nothing else like it. Heroin, maybe? I've never had that. They say it's pretty good. I was going to say, sex is like... People are the sex is like chocolate. No, chocolate's not that good. Okay, I was going to say, sex is like chocolate silk pie. Oh, come on. You put your dick in the chocolate silk pie? Like after you warm it up? Oh my God, you're <laughs> taking this way too literal. No! I'm just trying to get Who the feeling. Who puts their penis in a piece of pie? Whether or not it's microwaved or in the refrigerator. I don't know. I I have no clue. I've never... It just came to me. (laughs) Okay, suddenly that pecan pie in your refrigerator is not looking nearly as attractive to me. American Pie, right? Yeah. Yeah, American Pie. That's where we got the infamous one-time band camp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, it's like heroin. My mind's still stuck on the cocaine. penis and the pie thing. Yeah, I know. No. No, it's not like an... It prescri- it's like a drug-controlled substance that will get you jailed. Well, I guess it could get you okay. jailed. It could get you jailed. It can get you... Yeah. It gets so many men jailed every year. I would, I would like to see the numbers that it... And that's women have driven men to jail sentences. And yet sex is such a central part. And this is, it's too late in this podcast probably to go there, but the whole idea of monogamy right is such a societal construct. It really is. And for those who want that, I, I'm not critical at, at all, but... That's good. You know, throughout history, throughout history, there has always been extramarital affairs. Oh, yeah. And for most of history, it's almost been like... Yeah. That's as remarkable as the <coughs> fact that we drink bourbon. Or that we walk. We sleep. It's, it well, you know that penguins are the only monogamous mammals. Yes, I do know that. We're not monogamous mammals. We're just, it's a construct, like you it's said. A it's a societal construct. societal construct. Which is why... I'm monogamous. I'm just going to put that out there. But, it, but it's, it's a choice. It's why 
whenever you learn of, and it's always in the news, whether it be a politician, a school teacher, <laughs> for teacher Van Halen, Teachers or, are you know, there's, a, there's an extramarital affair. Somebody <clears throat> screwed around on somebody. Right. And then if it's a public figure, there's immediately the condemnation. Sure. I mean, Jerry Falwell Jr., I think, was the best, most recent one of those. He was the president of oh, Liberty that's University. Right. Remember? He had the whole, um, was it the cuck he thing had the, going? Right. Right? He had a, the pool boy? He had the cabana boy yeah. banging his wife. And that was he clocked out. Right. So he's clocked out. He's clocked out. So let the pet couple have what they have. You know, just leave them alone. And that was kind of their thing. Like, well, it know, looks that way, but he kind of saved her, right? Like, it's an affair, so you don't look like a... Right. Is that how it went down, I think? Right, but my point was, <clears throat> you know, the Jerry Falwell Juniors of the world are condemning those who engage in extramarital affairs. Their entire career. Right, and then... It's disgusting. Whereas my viewpoint so is, never I'm judge. not going to judge you, because I have no idea what's going on in your relationship. Now, if that affair was bad and you were cheating on your wife, well, that's not good. No. But if it's consensual or, you know, ethical non-monogamy, why am I going to condemn it because it works for you? If it's their choice together, and that's why you got to always be careful to judge people. And that's my point. I, I don't, I don't judge people. Right. And when I see individuals who are condemning public figures who have the extramarital affairs... I'm like, screw you. Who are you to judge? Right. It's really none of your business. Well, you don't want to judge, and that's the funny thing. That um, I think I was high and mighty at one point. Maybe it was in high school. I was super religious. Like I said, I was a youth pastor. Well, that's wanted, kind of I wanted to cuts be against a, the fact you were high while you were being mighty. Right, true. That's very true. But I was being mighty. And I think my mom said to me when I was judging someone, which didn't really hit me at the time, but as I grow older and I went through experiences, it has hit me and I will never forget it. She said, Jeff, never say never. Huge believer in that. I'm like, I would never. That, I would never do that. She said, Huge Jeff, believer in that. never say never. You don't know. And that Which is, is the truth. You don't. You can't. People get so, I would never do that. I can't believe this person did that. I would never do that. Well, that person probably didn't think they'd do it either. I am really skittish about never and always. Never and always is, yeah. Those are. Yeah. For the same reason. I mean, that's. Right. It's almost like you're jinxing yourself, Right. You're jinxing yourself. There, and, and you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up to be like dogmatically rigid. Well, I can't do X because I said I never would. Even if, with all my being and soul, I want to do X, I'm not going to do it because I said I never would. Well, screw that. Screw that. It's just like I tell my kids. Don't be negative and don't talk shit about anybody with your friends or anybody else because guess what happens? That person, whether you want to like them or not, now you have this thing where you've set... That's why you never talk about your relationship with other people because you've all of a sudden you've talked to all these friends about your relationship with so-and-so and then you and so-and-so start to figure it out, right? Secretly. But... You have this posture. You you have this posture because shit. I've talked all this shit about this person to all these people, so I can't let I can't like look like an idiot. I can't look like a loser. I can't look like a a freaking hypocrite by being friends with this person again. It can be your friend. It can be your lover. It can be your wife. It can be your brother. You can't shit on people. Just like you can't judge. Oh man. Relationships. Amen. Amen. Because, number one, wherever you are listening to this podcast, the world is too small. Way too small. Number two, I believe in karma. It's a real thing. And, and number three, what you're talking about is a credo I've always actually lived by. Because, and again, lawyer who 
tries cases, litigator. Right. Uh, I tell I tell my associates when we're going to trial. From the moment you wake up in the morning and you leave your house, and we're going to trial. If you stop at the gas station, you are unbelievably nice and pleasant to everybody you meet. From the cashier to the person in front of you in line to the person who asks if you have two tens for a 20. To when you stop for a biscuit in the morning or coffee in the morning, you're nice to everybody. Until you arrive in that courtroom, you are super nice to everybody. Why? Because what happens if you're an SOB or a bitch and that person ends up in your jury pool? <laughs> That's good advice. Be, and that, I try to live that because why be a dick if you don't have to? Because you know what? And my, I drive my kids crazy. Like when I was walking my dog and I will look at people and if they make eye contact with me and they smile, oh, yeah. or head, I'll say, yeah. hey, or just wave, wave my, you know, put my hand I'm up. The same way, always. And they're like, that drives them crazy. And I'm like, look, it costs me nothing to be pleasant. Right. And if somebody doesn't want to be pleasant back, I'm not going to invade their space or anything or insist on it. Right. But it costs me nothing to be nice, to say thank you, to be pleasant to somebody, to open a door for somebody. It costs me nothing. And you know what? That person it costs may... costs you more not to be pleasant, in my opinion. Well, that person may someday, through a twist of fate, that may be in a Hallmark movie, right. be in a position... We're like, yeah. To be nice to me, to do something for me. This person's kind for me. There was a Liberty Mutual commercial like that once. Remember that? I don't. I work with Liberty Mutual. Liberty, day, yeah. yeah. But there was about four or five years ago, a Liberty Mutual, uh, Liberty Mutual commercial where one person observed another person doing something nice. And then that person did something nice. It's the old pay it forward. Right. And then somebody saw that person doing something nice. They did something nice. And I'm like, that's exactly it. And that, you know, I have, and I know you've talked about this. You and Angela talked about this. I have paid sometimes for people, for things. Yeah, I think and that's I'm, cool. That and my, my response is, you know, oh, what can I do? Thank you. So I'm like, I just look at them and I say, when you can, pay it forward. Is that hard? No. That seems it, to be but a the thing is, the thing is, you're the one that gets the joy from that. When you pay it forward, you you selfishly get the joy from that. That's what my grandfather, who was the best man I've ever known in my life, he was a pastor, but he was not dogmatic. He was not judgmental. He was the best man I've ever known. I've seen him do uncountless acts of kindness. But he always said that to me. If somebody wants to do something for you. You know how you're always like, no, I don't want you to pay for me. I don't want you. He said, don't steal their blessing. Don't steal that person's blessing. Hmm. That's great. If somebody wants to do something for you, let them feel the generosity. Let them feel what it feels like to give. It's a blessing to be able to do something for somebody. And it truly is. It's a whole lot worse to have to take from somebody. You know what I mean? Like, it's always better to... Say even if it's like Ann going through the drive-through and somebody in front of her paying for her, you know what I mean? Like happened at Starbucks, and then she pays for the person behind her. It's like it keeps, you know what I mean? It's it feels so good to have it have somebody pay for you, but it feels even better. Not because you're going to boast about it or you're going to tell anybody. It's literally you could never say a word about it. All right, your listeners may hate this, but I'm going to take it to the Bible. There are two, two stories, two of my favorite things from the Bible. One is the mustard seed. Don't bring up the mustard seed. I'll break it. My grandfather was the mustard seed guy. He kept stacks of them in his pocket and gave them out. So the mustard seed, there may only be one that, that germinates and grows. Right. But you know what? You may do five, ten, fifteen nice things. Only one person may pay it forward. But that's okay if it's one person doing it. It's not hard. 
the other thing is a story that always struck me and was where the rich guy makes a comes into the temple and makes a big show out of he's tithing and he puts lots right, of money in the right. tithe box and then the poor guy comes in and kind of slips in the side and puts in just a, a tiny little bit of money right and then kind of shuffles out and nobody notices and Jesus said that guy gave more didn't want any attention but he gave so much more and, and that's always stuck with me because you didn't have anything to give because you know what it not only does it cost me most of the time it costs literally nothing to be nice to people but I don't want to trumpet it rather than you know I give a thousand dollars and I have my name in the program and I'm, right. I'm roasted and I'm celebrate right. I would much rather you know look both ways slip a thousand dollars to somebody and say don't put it's my yours. name on it don't put yeah. my name on it I don't right. want I don't, I don't want it fly completely under the radar I think the karma is stronger for you in that instance because it's all this selfishness it's selfishness that just eats our souls that's what we're going to talk about next time what the hell is wrong with society today yes that's one of the things that's wrong with society and that's selfish angry narcissism we should talk about that next week because I gotta put chicken in the oven <laughs> nothing I'm comes between Angie or chicken come home and be hungry but I think you're right I think that just as good feeds good momentum negative momentum feeds negative momentum so I think that's what's wrong with society I think that's what's wrong with today at the White uh, not the White House the White House was fine today at the Capitol I think that's the problem is and we won't get into it but I think negative feeds negative and people want to be a part of a tribe so they all they're justifying each other in their idiotic actions but we can leave it at that. I don't want to get too well, into well, you, I'm going to leave it with, you say good follows good. That's why I bring good bourbon, because if I brought bad bourbon, we'd not be nearly as nice to each other, and this podcast would not be nearly as good. That's true. Because we'd probably have a streak of angry in us that the bourbon wasn't better. If you brought crappy bourbon, which you haven't yet, I'm impressed. Trust me, I never will. <laughs> I, I, that's what I love. All right. It's enough for tonight.